Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Welcome into the Friday show, everybody. We always try to do this right off the top. The Titans always have a news conference right around the time we get started. Mike Vrabel usually speaking, and I believe he is at the podium now. Let's jump in real quick to this Mike Vrabel. Maybe we can find out who will be inactive for Saturday. Where I got to, and um, you know, it's good feedback. And then we can evaluate how they feel. So you know, we have some time until uh, tomorrow to make some decisions, but... You know, those guys all worked hard to, to get back there and, and be able to start to practice, and, you know, we're able to put some days together. Um, can you just talk about Cunningham's skill set a little bit and what, you know, what the reason was? Right, this is ridiculous. Right. Uh, that was a very fast, <laughs> that was a very fast press conference. From St. Thomas Sports Park. Not sure exactly what happened. Usually they play that music at the beginning. He walked right off. And they play that music at the end. Oh, he left. Well, he walked off. What was the question? It was uh, John Glennon asking something about Zach Cunningham. That was about a maybe a three-minute press conference. Okay. All right. Well, Mike Vrabel, uh, we'll keep it moving today, apparently. Uh, we'll see if we can find out what happened. or uh, Did somebody wave him like he had to go somewhere or something? Uh, maybe. Let's see. Um now, we do have this. Um, ben Arthur from the Tennessee and just tweeted this. Mike Vrabel just walked out of his press conference. He didn't want to take questions about Zach Cunningham. It sounded like he said, this is ridiculous, as he walked off the podium. Uh, Terry McCormick, Mike Vrabel, said Titans are excited to add Zach Cunningham. Said he would talk more about him next week when he is active. He was asked about Cunningham again. He said, this is ridiculous, and walked out. Oh. Who was, uh, he was upset that they asked about Cunningham. Because he's not even available to play this week. There you go. Uh, this from Teron Davenport. So we're just kind of flex. We're fleshing through this in real time. These tweets are like a minute old. Jackrabbit Jenkins, David Long, Tier Tart, Tommy Hudson, Zach Cunningham uh, out for Sunday. What's the um, What's the minimum requirement that they have to be on on stage to do an interview? Is there a requirement for a head coach? No, I don't uh, think so. I don't think so. Oh. I don't think there's a minimum requirement. It's just, that's just after a game. Yep, I, I think you have to be available after a game, uh, and there may be a requirement that you make one appearance a week or something like that. I, I'm not sure, but I don't. I don't think there's a length of time. I, I, I don't know. One more than three minutes. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, uh, Zach Cunningham on the team. Uh, not <laughs> he would not be good, good example. You know, set a good example of when you don't like the questions asked, just walk off. Players. Yeah, I'm looking to see if there's anything new. Again, um, all he had needed to do was say, look, Zach's not on the roster quite yet. We'll be no more questions about Zach Cunningham. We move forward with the guys that will be on the roster and play on Sunday. Ask us that's, about them. That's it. Yeah. Really, that is, that's not that hard. I, and so whenever something small like that, it's something else right? That, that's perturbing them. It's something else. It's not that. Uh, so, uh, man, I, I wonder what got him all, you know, uh, is, is uh, you know, button a little wide there. Dang, uh, that was, I mean, that was just two questions. Guess he thought he said enough to where they wouldn't ask another question about it. Just give clarity. Just like, hey, look, I, I'm gosh, not he, answering any questions. Right, about I hadn't even seen him practice yet. Right. He's passing through his we're, COVID we're, protocols we're or whatever. We're going to the players they are actually going to play Sunday. So, anybody about that, just, just ask away. Um, Gentry Estrus of the Estrus of the Tennessee and Mike Vrabel really didn't want to field questions about Zach Cunningham today. He stormed off about 90 seconds into his press conference. 
because the question is about Cunningham, who won't be active this week. So that's what we know. We know who won't be active, Zach Cunningham. Uh, we know who's not going to play. Um, is so. it fair game? I guess maybe that should be a question. Should it be fair game that Zach Cunningham, that, you know, the media asks questions about Zach Cunningham, even though he won't be active this week? They they did pick him up off of waivers, right? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, okay. I, 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 I'm not sure how that could be. Even, fair you, game. You've worked as an assistant to a head coach, so even though it was at the pro level, I mean, you know, so how how would that work? How uh, would you handle that if you were giving your your head coach advice? I, well, I mean, it, I mean, it's I mean, it was a big deal. Kind of a local kid in that he went to Vanderbilt. To a certain extent, a lot of people watched him. All right, I, I'll tell you this. I'll give you a good example. I was going to a speaking engagement with Brian Harson, mm-hmm. who's Auburn coach now. He was a head coach at Arkansas State. And he was going to Little Rock to speak. Well, we were in Jonesboro. We were two hours away from Little Rock. So I mm-hmm. said, I'm going to tell you things they're going to ask you. I'm going to tell you everything that I can think of that they're going to ask you. Mm-hmm. And I said, a lot of those guys don't cover Arkansas State. A lot of them really tilt their coverage towards another team in the state. Some people are going to ask you some questions to try to get you. They're going to try to trip you up. And they're going to ask you some things to show the discrepancy between the money of the programs and all this stuff. I prepared him for everything. Every one of the questions I told him, they asked. Every one of them. And he nailed the answers. Nailed them. So, you would think it. And this was Harson. This was the first time he was ever a head coach was at Arkansas State. So, I was always, and, and I wasn't a sports information guy. I was a salesperson. But I just said, hey. Let me tell you some things that are going to happen down here based on my right, experience. Right. Harson listened to everything I said. I, I had a great relationship with that guy. I still do when, anytime I see him. But at this level, as long as Mike Vrabel has now been a coach here, he has to know they're going to ask about Zach Cunningham. Heck, you coached him at Houston. There's a soundbite that I emailed Lucas where he's talking about Zach Cunningham before the Titans played the Texans. Right. Some of the nicest stuff he's ever said about anybody. Mm-hmm. So – you're right. I don't think this has anything to do with Zach Cunningham. Maybe he's just, they've lost two games and he's PO'd for greatness. I, I don't know. There's no reason. I, I can't well, think of any reason. That. Yeah, that was for sure. Uh, to get that worked up out of it. Uh, or he may, maybe he's just looking for an excuse to get out of a meeting. <laughs> you never know, man. Well, uh, mm-hmm. he usually goes pretty quick on Friday. Usually those things are like five, six, seven minutes at the most. Maybe okay. 90 seconds is go. all he wanted to talk. He got somewhere to be. If you notice, he typically ends press conferences. Very, very few times do you get to a point where they're like, anybody else? Anything else? Vrabel just gets to a point, and you can almost feel it, where he goes, okay, thanks, guys, and then that's it. Then he's done. The best part for me is how quickly the music comes back in because there's got to be somebody there that's got to fire it back into the music. Yeah, it's that they play. Somebody's got to do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's playing gotta, almost immediately. you got to be on your toes. Um, almost like they knew. I'm going to keep this short. Uh, <laughs> goes well, I, the, as fast as the music came back on, and he has people around him, he has media relations guys, he may have said, I'm not talking very long today. Be ready to be ready to go. Mm. So, well, I think Tony Elliott will be talking really soon now that he's accepted the job at Virginia. Oh, he took the Virginia job. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Finalize the deals in the near future. You know, it's funny. His name had really gotten kind of quiet this year. Every, it got mentioned for every opening last year. Then he quietly just goes and gets a Virginia job. Oh, well, because quietly Clemson didn't do as well. Yeah. <laughs> so quietly he's he's going to lose both of his OC and DC. And AD. 
And AD. That good guy point. Went to Miami. Yeah. What in you. the world? Mm-hmm. What? They think it's crumbling. Maybe they'll just give a, uh, you know, man, uh, the, the head coach job and the AD job. Considering how much he makes, or is he going to take a pay cut? <laughs> he probably liked that. He's going to take a pay cut because they, you know, got NIL stuff. That's what he said, right? Right. He, you know, he, work, had, he would work for free. Right? I remember him saying he was would leave college football. Oh, that's right. A few years ago, he said he quit. If you know something oh, like that man, happened, I knew it was somehow outrageous. If you were an eighteen-year-old guy and the coach, and you knew because kids have so everybody's now. got access to everything everybody says now, and you knew this guy was trying to recruit you, doesn't want you to make money off your likeness. And then let's say you go to anywhere else that can compete with Clemson on the national stage, and the coach is like, "Hey, this is Fred." Fred is our NIL guy. He's going to try to get you money for your tweets and your Instagram. And Fred's going to try to get you hooked up with the Chevy dealer down the street. And and then you have this other guy saying, I'm going to quit if you make any money off your face. Does that hurt him at some point? DJ Uyunglele did make some good Dr. Pepper money, I imagine, showing up in those commercials. <laughs> I mean, at some point, surely that would have to harm your recruiting. Maybe we got Clemson fans, and they can tell me how dumb that is. But if you go to one place, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to help you," and, and maybe, maybe he just bit the bullet and said, "Okay, hire Fred," and you know, Fred's going to help you make money, even though I don't agree with it. I've said that openly. But I would think I would want to go someplace where everybody was on board with maximizing me as a student, as an athlete, and as a money making opportunity as well. You don't think they're going to do any nil stuff on the roster? Well, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm going to couch that with, you believe everything a coach says? No. Oh, okay. okay. I don't believe everything he says, but that's a guy saying, you know, I don't like, I didn't think he was going to quit, but that right. shows you he's against your ability to make money off your name, image, and likeness. Else, why would he say that? Well, he's against the framework and the structure of how that would look. That doesn't mean he's against it because he ultimately he wants to win, so he's going to have to buy in. No different if the rules change when um, – you got uh, recruiting time changes to, uh, you know, even on field with the fake slant, which you got, I mean, slide, which you got right. That changed. And I don't agree with that. No different than why don't they change if a guy fakes to go out of bounds and then stays in bounds? What's the difference? Oh, like he said, uh, he said, there is a difference. Come on, Lucas, you're smart. Come on, give us, give us the 411. What's the difference between the fake slide and then the fake go out of bounds, stay in bounds, and run? I. It's on the same, yeah, it's on the same length to me. And you sent me that that question this morning. I thought, yeah. I've really got to think about this because yeah, so you still have to give yourself up either way. Yeah. And you can't get, no one can hit you, yeah. whether you slide or go out of bounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like one one play by Kenny Pickett in one, one championship play. game. No, I've never seen anybody fake a slide before. Me neither. I mean, one literally, fake slide. it hadn't even been a week. They changed the rule. Already changed it. Fastest they've ever moved. Uh, that that is absurd for me. Now, how about fixing the flop rule? That's been going on a few years. Yeah, mm, well, I remember I, Tennessee I like, playing over here I like against that one even better. <laughs> that feels like a few years ago. Bowling Green over here at Nissan Stadium, and the Bowling Green guys were flopping in that game. Oh, that was about five years ago. Yeah, yeah twenty fifteen. So, yeah, yeah, so that goes way back. I thought you were talking going to talk about bring up Ole Miss. Oh no, I'm new. I'm not even into this year. Everybody yeah. saw that. I'm seeing the flop thing goes back. I remember it at least five years ago. Oh, they won't even address the the crampet. That's not, that's not happening. <laughs> they go act like it just went away. Yeah, I don't. How in the world would you address that? Though would be the thing that that would be the question. How would you address? How would you, 
I, I don't know what you would do. And maybe that's why they haven't done anything. Yeah, sit out a play, right? Like, that's the only thing I could think of. That would be it. If you went down for any reason, then you've got to go. Well, and which I guess you have to if you receive medical attention. Yeah, or the rest of the drive, play. something like that. Maybe yeah, that I'm with it. you on that. Rest, rest of the rest drive. Of the drive or series or at least to the next first down or something, man. They got they got. Because you said, well, what about the end of the quarter? You know, you'd have set to the end of the quarter. Guys would be looking like, oh, there's eight seconds left. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the rest of the drive. You'd have to have this enforcement services then, though. The NCAA (laughs) would have to have another official who was like, no, 17 was supposed to miss the rest of this drive. I see him out there again. Oh, man, you're going to have to have a tracker, tracking system there, man, even on your staff. And and meanwhile, you mentioned a tracking system. I know we got to go because Buck Rising is going to join us next, and we'll ask him about this short press conference. How do we not have a GPS in the ball? And on, like, the goal line in 2021. Oh, you know, that's been my stick. The GPS in the ball. I mean, you can do anything now. There's GPS everywhere. And it's the chain gang is still just some part-time folks with a chain, a metal chain, and two poles. And then we're just like, yeah, it doesn't look like you made it. My cat has a microchip. We can microchip a football. I think we can. We're going to take time out and go track Lucas's cat. Uh, when we come back, a cool cat's going to join us. Buck Rising, that's next year on Blade & Mickey. How come I didn't know that? Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. A little sad music for a cloudy Friday. Hey, be weather aware tonight. I know I am. I've been weather aware for the last three days watching all these uh, projected projectiles that are going to be blowing through here. So just uh, keep your eye on things. Listen to smart people like, you know, is, is Davis. Bit, is, is something coming Davis this way? Yeah, like, something's coming. Oh, something's coming. It's a visit from Buck Rising. That's the first thing that's oh, coming. that's what's coming. That's the storm. That's that coming. is brought oh, to you by my. our friends at Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. But what a uh, thrilling press conference that was by Mike Vrabel. It was uh, maybe the shortest one ever. 90 seconds and an F-bomb in there, baby. He's feeling it today. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so is, uh, <laughs> oh, my. What has got him so – because Blaine was like, you can't be that mad about a Zach Cunningham question – you just think he's, you know, he's PO'd for greatness because it's game week and they've lost a couple and, you know, David Long still isn't on. What could make him that mad? What what are we doing here? Oh, I mean, he's an insane person. Like, <laughs> this is this, uh, it's just kind of the Mike Brabel experience. Like, we don't see it. We get a lot more polished version, and maybe that would surprise some people of Mike at the press conference than uh, you do under normal circumstances and just like normal interact interaction. So honestly, like that may be, that may catch some people off guard or it may seem like that's anything out of anything, you know, something crazy, but no, that's just Vrabel being Vrabel. There you go. Uh, so Zach Cunningham will be Zach Cunningham here. Your thoughts on the acquisition, including the fact that it got to him, all the way to the Titans on the waiver wire. Yeah, that that I don't understand. Um, that's probably that's an interesting wrinkle in all of this. And listen, some teams are willing to take risks uh, on the uh, on the vaccination side of things. Others are not. Mike and and John Robinson obviously have uh, an above average, particularly Vrabel and Shane Bowen have an above average understanding of who this player is. And, you know, confidence in their ability to manage all of the things that got him out in Houston. So in a way that probably makes them more comfortable, in a way that I know makes them more comfortable doing something like this 
whereas other teams don't know them, maybe don't necessarily ask more questions outside of their coaching circle than people on the Houston coaching staff who were clearly disillusioned with him and be like, yeah, it's not worth the headache right now. Um, this, is, uh, this is great for the Titans because if it doesn't work, they can get out from under his contract with no dead money on the books at the end of the year. If it does, you have a long-term solution beyond Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans because both those guys are unrestricted free agents and they're probably not coming back next season. Well, I want to add something to add to that. You know, he had this contract where the next year he has a $10 million guarantee. Kind of go through what, what his guarantees are here, and that's maybe what scared some people away as well. Well, I mean, he does have, he does have this $10 million injury clause, which okay. is, is uh, something in and of itself, and, and how, that, how that basically was broken up over the restructure. I think is a, is a conversation I'm not quite equipped to have just yet. But mm-hmm. at this point, like his guarantees are are almost non-existent. Like Houston is paying the freight of the guarantees because of the way that they restructured. Because he was only on their books for just north of four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars this year, guys. And like this is a situation where yeah, he's got big cap hits moving forward, but the dead cap is almost minimal because of how much money they gave him up front in the first year of that contract, um, which he, they, uh, the first year of that extension, which he signed in 2020. So it, it, there's, a, there's reasons to look at it and be like, okay, yeah, it could, it could bump things up. But one, you're, you're getting an increase in the salary cap, pending that there's not another situation where there's pandemic-like finances. I would imagine that would not be the case. So your salary cap's going to go up. Um, you were already going to have to budget for some kind of a move in that way, whether it be Rashawn Evans or, try and reset this thing in the draft this is the better solution of both of those so the finances of this are are less complicated than people want to make them especially right now blame when money doesn't mean anything in the nfl voidable year contracts make these things irrelevant the way that teams like the saints and the buccaneers have found different ways to skirt the salary cap it's it there are there are ripple effects that it can have down the line as the texans are finding out if you botch your money but if you understand how to do this stuff efficiently, the money, the guarantees on Zach uh, Cunningham's contract, it shouldn't really concern people. Yeah, yeah, it didn't concern me. I was just interested in why they put that in there because to a certain extent, once you're on the roster, your salary is pretty much guaranteed at the beginning of a season anyway, whether you get injured or not. So that's why I was really asking. So once you get all the details of, why he even put that in his contract? Because uh, you know everybody's covered. If you injured, if you tear your ACL, any anything, that you're still getting paid your salary. So no, it's a great question by you, uh, and it's certainly something that you know, whenever Mike Vrabel wants to talk about Zach Cunningham, he's not going to talk about the contract side of things. But that until until he comes to the facility, until he's in the building, gotcha. that's basically what I'm going to spend my weekend working on. Well, someone who wasn't in the building, but they were on your show, Diana Rossini. She said some things about the King that he may be coming back, or was I hearing things? Nope, you heard correctly. Uh, Diana was great on the show on, what was that, Thursday. So if uh, anybody full interview, they can do that in the podcast form. But, yeah, um, Diana and I were talking about this conversation that I've been having where it's, it's pretty optimistic internally about Derrick Henry. And what Diana added to that conversation was, yeah, they're leaning sooner rather than later based on the projections. So the initial projections were six to, eight, uh, six to ten weeks. 
the uh, I think Ian Rappaport threw out there the first person to throw out there January. So it's looking like he could be ready for the first week of the postseason based on the initial projections that they had. And things are leading that way. Now, of course, all of this could change. Adoree Jackson was supposed to come back much, much sooner than he actually right. did because he experienced setbacks that nobody on the coaching staff wanted to talk to us about. All well and good. Those, those circumstances are always possible. But at this point, this is as good as, po- this is as, good as humanly possible uh, news as you could be receiving on the best player on the roster, who is Derrick Henry. Because we're talking about all guys who are actually going to play, maybe potentially Julio Jones plays. Would you play him this week, next week? Uh, or do you think he'll just continue to be in and out of the, the lineup uh, and still won't be able to finish a game? What do you think is going to happen? I think they're going to manage him, Blaine. I think mm-hmm. I, I think in-game that's going to be a, a big part of this, right? Now, I don't think that he's going to be available uh, for Jacksonville. I think it is a good sign that they did give him some work all three days this week, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily think that guarantees that he'll be active. Uh, it, it could they, They're using this week to evaluate him, and the fact that he was able to be out there all three days to be evaluated mm-hmm. is a great sign. But I think um, what, whatever point they do bring him back, it's going to continue to be this situation like, all right, where are we in the game? What is the score? What is our game plan going to be throughout the rest of this game? Are we just going to use our uh, wide receivers to, to block and to dig out safeties? Okay, we don't need Julio to do that. Get, get NWI out there and let him finish out the stretch. Now, you may think that that sounds foolish because the Titans aren't in a position to treat anybody quite that dismissively, but this is what they felt they've had to do all season long with Julio Jones, and I wouldn't anticipate them uh, uh, deviating from that plan at this point. Because this is all a part of what they wanted to do when they shut him down uh, a couple of weeks before the bye. They wanted to use as much time as possible to get him away, get the hamstring right, and if we can make a run at this thing, fine, but we're going to continue to make sure that you can make positive contributions come postseason time when it matters the most. No doubt about it. We went with uh, Buck Rising from the Buck Rising Show. Buck, we talked about this week, and I know you talked about it too. So, at this point, what would justify the trade for Julio Jones in your eyes? What what do you need to see from him? I know you discussed it. We did. What would you need to see? Uh, Them them in the AFC Championship game. I don't care if they win it. I don't care if they lose it. But Julio Jones has to contribute to them getting to the game before the Super Bowl. All right. Well, that's a – Kind of what I said was some kind of contribution on a team that went further than last year, but you've got it even uh, further than that all the way to the AFC Championship. Uh, speaking of IR and, 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 and that whole world, David Long now hasn't played in a month. Uh, he's been ruled out again. Do you know why IR was never a, an option for him? Because he's been out plenty long enough to have been on it, but they haven't put him on there. Yeah, they've been they've been monitoring that one in particular pretty closely. And and still this week they seemed unwilling to do it uh because you know, I know I, I know you guys saw that Will Compton signed a contract and and that's not a game-changing move, but it is relevant locally because they called it. They wanted to bring Will in on a workout. They worked out a bunch of different guys um uh from at the inside linebacking position. Now Will ended up taking a better deal in in Vegas and more opportunity to contribute. Because what the Titans are looking for are shorter-term solutions. Now, the Cunningham thing just kind of dropped into their lap in a way that was unavoidable, and that's going to work to their benefit. But uh, I don't know specifically 
why they haven't done it. All I know is that they're trying to avoid it because they felt several times that they could have bring, brought him back at different points over the course of the last month, and then things uh, took a turn one way or the other where they just didn't necessarily feel comfortable clearing him. We had Mike Gennetti on yesterday from Spot Track, and he was talking about just potential Titans moves. We were asking about the new cap high and all that stuff. And Blaine essentially asked him, what's the first thing you do? And he said, well, the first thing I would do is address Ryan Tannehill's contract. And he essentially said, if we get to, what, the end of uh, February, March, he said, if they, he said, whatever the Titans do, with or without his contract, is going to tell you a whole lot about his future with this team. Oh, well, yeah, and that was, that was the way they structured these two things, these two contracts, both Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill uh, specifically. They did this in a way to give themselves to give themselves maneuverability out of both of them, if it was indeed the case, because he's going to count. I mean, north of forty million dollars against their cap next year. It's a lot of money, and I don't think anybody would say that this performance at this point is indicative of that level of pay. He's good enough to win games. He's good enough to get them to compete. But what we haven't seen is him elevate the rest of the roster and, frankly, take care of the football in a way that he needs to be based on who's out there with him. They love Ryan Tannehill. They respect his toughness. But at a certain point, your toughness can only get you so far. Ask Baker Mayfield how toughness alone is going for him this season there is the 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 marriage to ryan Tannehill is not an outright marriage it's they're still talking at this point even though they're under contract together okay so let's go down this road a little further if if things don't improve let's say they crash and burn towards the end of the season it's a quick playoff exit do you think that relationship could get rocky as soon as the end of this season oh sure because you're talking about money and yeah. they've already talked to him once about the contract that they gave him, and and all things lead back to money, right? Yeah. Uh, so if it's a conversation about money, and hey, we thought you were worth this, but it turns out you're not really worth this. Let's see if we can't find a way to adjust this. He's going to look at them in all likelihood and be like, uh, "The hell do you mean? I think I'm worth this. Why am I not worth this? You told me I was worth this the first time around." So I mean, any time you have those conversations, Blaine uh, can speak to this better than I can. It is going to be uncomfortable as a player dealing with a front office when they're looking to nitpick you for every reason why they shouldn't pay you the money. It's the same as the draft process. These guys are looking for reasons. These guys and girls are looking for reasons not to draft you. They're looking for reasons not to pay you as opposed to the inverse, which is, you know, the justification for paying them or drafting them in the first place. Buck Rising, always worth every penny that we pay him to come on with us on Fridays. Well, Buck, uh, we we got to talk about the Jaguars. I know you do a lot of uh, film evaluation, especially when you have Greg Cosell, so make sure everybody tune in. We have Greg Cosell on there. But what was you guys' evaluation of what you see out of the Jaguars, in particular Trevor Lawrence's development? Is he getting any better? No, and that's a big that's a big part of the conversation. Like it, I mean, I mean, in all seriousness, like. This is, this is one touchdown uh, in the last two months, basically, for wow. Trevor Lawrence. Um, and that was in a loss to the Falcons, a, a, a team that has almost zero ability to pressure the quarterback and still found a way to beat the Jags. The roster is very, very poor, um, particularly on offense. And what, what I think surprises you the most is that is a veteran offensive line group that is in their third year together. Maybe Titans fans will, will be reminiscent of this. Um, but they're, they're probably the worst thing about that offense 
at this point. And the games are getting away from them. It's taking away from what they need to be doing with a, with a rookie quarterback, which is not asking him, i.e. Bill Belichick, not asking him to do a lot running the football, keeping things close and being efficient with the times that you use the quarterback skill set. They're not being efficient with it at all. He's got uh, – he's averaging 5.9 yards per attempt. It's completely anemic. He's under duress consistently. The running back situation, um, James Robinson is, is a good player, and I think that Travis Etienne would have helped that situation. But again, behind this line, I don't know how much better they realistically could be. Their defense is good, or good enough in the last month at least, to keep them in these games. And then when it can't, and when the offense can't score, you see what happened this past Sunday in games like uh, the one they played against the Rams where they're keeping it competitive for a half and then they're snowballing because there's just nothing, there's no way that they have to be able to keep up and the defense, the dam just finally breaks. Mm, man, well, I was noticing some things on defense. seems like they were playing a lot of man-to-man now and it seems like they're playing a lot more zone and kind of letting their uh, athletic pass rushers and maybe, you know, doing some zone blitz schemes uh, in there as, as well. So I'm interested to see how much they've changed. And it seemed like it's kind of worked for them a little bit better than before, especially that Bills game. That Bills, they won 9-6, right? Yeah, something like that. But Yeah, no, it's made a big difference. I think that's a great observation, Blaine. Yeah, well, cool, man. Well, I guess, uh, Mickey, you got, you got one more for him before we let him go? Yeah, who do you think will be the primary running back for the Titans on Sunday or what the rotation Ooh. might look like? I think I, you know, not to cop out, but I think it depends on what the defense looks like. Like I think if they if they come out in in a certain kind of defensive formation that favors Foreman, I think that they will. I think it's very much pick your. And I don't want to say pick your poison because that's what Julio Jones said. Look how that's gone. Um, but I think it very much depends on what they're seeing up front and where they can find ways to run against. Like that that big Dontrell Hilliard rushing uh, touchdown against the Patriots. You go back and look at what the Patriots were in. There, there was only one big defensive lineman in at the time. It was Barmore. They were playing. Uh, they were playing a defense. Basically, they were not anticipating that kind of a play. Uh, they were not playing run defense basically in that moment, and so they gave up that touchdown because the personnel was favorable. So, I think they'll. I think they'll. Uh, they, there are reasons for Hilliard to be the one who sees more action, but again, it depends on how the Jags play them, and also they have to hang on to the damn football. <laughs> But you cannot fumble, and all four ball carriers fumbled uh, against the Patriots. It's a real problem, especially as in the last two weeks when you're not getting any turnovers on defense. It is funny they added Jordan Wilkins, a, a former Colts running back, to the practice squad this week. Like 30% of his career rushing yards are against the Titans. It, it, it's funny. Yeah. A guy who's he's had, you know, a, a, I mean, he's, he's lasted, what, four years in the NFL now, but the bulk of his yardage – percentage-wise, has come against the Titans. He's another one of those Colts guys who had some nice games against the Titans. There's been a lot of those Colts guys that have had nice games against the Titans. It's not necessarily positionally based. (laughs) That's true. Well, maybe he'll get in the mix, too. Uh, Buck, great stuff, man. Uh, Before we let you go, you went to Egypt. How in the world was your trip to Egypt? Yeah, Yeah, you got to – you know what? We can't share travel photos right now, but you could share a quick story. How did it go? Well, Egypt. Well, once I got there, it was great. The Germans tried to keep me in their country for a net. Well, they did. They didn't try. They well, they're did, big fans. They wanted to have you to themselves. That's just not true. Well, they wanted to keep me in the airport. They didn't want to physically let me into the, their country to go across the street from the airport to the hotel. But yeah, once I got there, it was fantastic. Um, and he, if you're, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are 
maybe not necessarily comfortable traveling overseas right now, understandably so. But when, when, whenever it is that we seem to have a handle on this COVID situation, I cannot recommend traveling to Egypt uh, enough. There's no place like it in the world. It's incredible. It's historic. Um, it's unique in all of the ways that you, you just, again, you can't, you simply cannot get any of it anywhere else. And I, uh, and they love tourists. They don't see a lot of them anymore, which is, which is why they love them so much. So you will be welcomed with open arms when you go and see my people. Well, there you go. Buck rising. Hey man, uh, great stuff. You will be on at nine on Sunday and then we'll be on at 10 on Sunday and then Titans count nine at 11. So we'll be ready to rock and roll for this Titans Jags game. In a couple of days. Yes, Thank you, sir. Thank you, boys. Yes, Appreciate sir. It. Buck Rising again brought to you by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. All right, when we come back, Mike Vrabel did not want to talk today about Zach Cunningham. He had a 90-second press conference the second time that his name came up, Zach Cunningham. He left. But he did talk about Zach Cunningham before a game against the Texans, and he said some really nice stuff. This audio resurfaced yesterday. You'll hear Mike Vrabel's thoughts, not from today, but from Zach Cunningham as an opponent. We'll play those for you next. Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Yeah, if you were listening, we always try to play you some of Mike Vrabel's press conference uh, on Friday, and we're more interested in he'll usually say, okay, these guys aren't going to play. And I guess he got that out early, so it's a jackrabbit. We'll miss another game. David Long, who... This will be over a month since he's played, but still not on IR. Uh, Tier Tart and Tommy Hudson, the tight end, the young tight end. Those are the guys who have already been ruled out for the game on Sunday. But he got asked a question about Zach Cunningham by John Glennon and abruptly closed down the press conference. But there's some audio from one of these, well, when Mike Rabel was still on Zoom, this had to have been from last season, where he was asked before a game, and it's just it's it's him doing his Zoom via the Titans, but he was asked about Zach Cunningham before the Titans played him, and here's what Mike Grable said about the now Titans linebacker, then Texans linebacker, then player. You know, he um, you know shows up at Vanderbilt here, probably you know undersized, got length, and probably was lanky and grew in his body. I mean, he's an explosive player. Um, doesn't look like a physical player, but but he will he will be one of the best inside linebackers that we'll see unquestionably this this year and um i just think that each and every year i see him he's, he's more instinctive you know reading reading plays and diagnosing them and you know he gets, finds a lot of way if we don't block 41 then it won't matter um he'll, he'll make the tackle and he'll be involved with it so you know again he's he's doing a nice job and um he's very very active so that's Mike Vrabel on Zach Cunningham before a Titans-Texans game. So he was in Houston four-plus season. He played 72 games. He started 66. He had 570 tackles. He had 26 for loss, six-and-a-half sacks, five forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, a partridge in a pear tree, and one interception. He had 164 tackles. Uh, Blaine, last year, a career high, was a second-round pick in 2017 out of Vanderbilt. As many have pointed out, the Titans really don't have to pay him that much money this year, um, but there is that injury guarantee. For, so let's say he gets what hurt in the third game that he plays for the Titans, and he's going to miss time next year, going to miss next year, he would get $10 million from the Titans is the best way I could figure the explanation. Yeah, but that's why I was asking that question. Yep. Like, why did his agent – I'm trying to figure out because his, his full contract is guaranteed. 
Like at that point, if you once you're on the roster, remember it's his full it's his full salary for right. next year because yeah. they 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 have insurance that will pay for that if he can't play. <laughs> every player, every team is built that way. So I was interested in like, did he have a pre existing injury that may we we didn't know about because you put that in there saying, well, we're a little concerned, and it could have been just a negotiation by the Texans. I, I don't I don't know, but it was kind of uh, odd to me that that was in there for injury protection that he's going to at least get $10 million if he's injured. Maybe I was, I was thinking maybe if they cut him, you know, or something like that. But, man, I, that was, uh, was kind of interesting. I'm sure there's an explanation to it once we get, you know, into the details. It may not even come into play just depending on uh, really this evaluation time uh, to me and then try to rev him up and get him to, you know, play in some games here towards the end of the season and see how comfortable he gets. Uh, Go out there, and then next thing you know, you got you a real elite middle linebacker for actually a cheaper rate than what what they're getting paid. I mean, so what what does this contract pay him in second year if he's here? If he's here next year, base salary is ten million. You were right; right. that ten million is his base salary. Right. I don't uh, he gets a roster bonus for every game of like twenty nine thousand and four hundred, which adds up to five hundred thousand dollars. So his if he plays in every game, he would make an additional five hundred every year. So just think that. Oh, wow. But his his base salaries are ten, eleven, and twelve and a half million. Right, that's, that's, that's cheap. That's so he'd make rate. ten next year. He'd make and, and the cap's going to go up ten million. Yeah. That's going to go up ten million because so that's what he'd be. Audition for him. Yeah. This yep. is, You know for yeah. <laughs> Boy, this is a great. This is a. <laughs> and the other thing is another Blake. great vibe by Jay. I mean, steal. They just say steal that he got. For the bang for the buck, man, and then we could end up. It could be end up in a starting middle linebacker for the team for like three years. And you have Monty Rice in the second year of a rookie contract, and David Long would take. He'd still be in his rookie contract next year. Now, if he's going to stick around, you're going to have to extend him at some point. But he'd still be on his rookie contract. So next year, you'd be paying one guy ten million dollars, but you're not paying the other guys much of anything. In the grand, and we would all like to make what they make. But right, in right. NFL money, nothing. Right. We're always re- referencing the NFL yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, not one. Get a good here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then you could, you know, still draft another young player. Yes. Uh, maybe in the mid-rounds, you know, always can get a linebacker, be a demon on special teams and stuff. Man, this one works out. It'll be – it, it almost rivals uh, the Marco Murray trade that they basically gave it. Man, because you didn't give up anything. <laughs> some like some Gatorade bottles. The kicking so, I mean, net. This is. I uh, hope it works out. Well, I, we talked about him some yesterday, and, and I know you like you him. I said I, I said I'd sign him. Yeah. You, you you were like, think what David Long does, but he's like longer arms, longer legs. Mm-hmm. It, it, not necessarily like bigger, big, but but a bigger version because David Long's not that big of a guy. Bigger version of David Long. Well, yeah, he's more of a athletic. Uh, you know, I, I would give him on the Bullock side of it. Yeah, not quite that, but yeah. He's a long, lengthy, athletic player for middle linebacker. Yeah, he can do a lot of different things. Because uh, he was really outside at Dandy. Mm-hmm. And then so now it becomes easier. And that's why when you hear Vrabel talking about it, his re-reaction is becoming natural because it wasn't a, a position that he played until he got into the league. <sighs> See? Mm-hmm. So he had to go through and understand the triangle reads and everything else on run plays. A little different viewpoint than if you're an outside linebacker. That also tells me he put in the work, though, to yeah. learn how to be instinctive. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I remember Rashawn Evans coming in and saying, by the time I realized what's going on, Wesley Woodyard's already made the tackle. And this was an older version of, of Wood. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's running right past me and making the tackle. 
<laughs> and here's Rashawn Evans, who's an explosive right. young guy. At that time, much more talented than Wesley Woodyard, yeah. And, and, and more explosive just based on not having those years of mileage on his body. And he said, Wood has just seen exactly what's going to happen and making the play. So, I mean, Cunningham had to figure out how to do that at the next level and has done it great. 164 tackles last year. Jeez. Uh, pretty pretty remarkable. So, you 10 know, tackles pretty, you know, a game. Man, he put the time in, man. Well, yeah, that's that's how a veteran who who loses a step beats out. You just explained it, a young player with more with more talent. Yeah, right there with the Woodyard and Evans comparison when Evans was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all day long. <laughs> oh, Wood, that guy could play uh, for sure. Uh, we can't play anymore this hour, but we'll come back second hour of the program. We'll get the latest from Jacksonville. Joe Cowart from Ten Ten XL Radio. He covers the Jags. What is going on down there? we got a lot of questions. He's got all the answers. Uh, headlines next. It's Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.